0: my communion in 1972 we had songs to sing in the church and I wasn't a very good singer and the nun told me that when I was singing that I was just to kind of move my mouth and not to actually sing and I remember at one stage accidentally singing and being really worried that she heard me. Sister Margaret
1: Mary First Holy Communion is such a normal part of Irish life about 60,000 children participate in the sacrament every year. If you're Catholic, chances are you've been through it too.
2: We were certainly frightened of the confession part of it, but the communion part of it was very exciting. I'm one of a very large family, but I was very proud to be wearing the the family First Communion dress and veil. The very few photos I have of my childhood would be the First Communion photo because photos were very rare in those days.
3: My own First Communion was a borrowed Holy Communion suit which was white but it didn't fit me Uh, so I was pudgy I remember that the sleeves came halfway up my arms and my mother had to try and let out the trousers. I don't Remember the actual event, but I do remember being paraded around in my white suit and being absolutely dismayed the next day when it was given back to the family that had been borrowed from. So I was only prince for a day.
1: I have vivid memories of my communion. My Irish grandma, Annie, came down to our house the night before to have a serious talk with me. I felt so mature and responsible as she explained that I mustn't let my teeth touch the host as I would hurt Jesus himself. The next day at communion, I kept the host away from my teeth, but it stuck to the roof of my mouth and I was desperately worried that it would never come off.
4: I look back on that first communion and what I remember was how special I felt. I was made to feel like something so wonderful and so great was happening to me and that I was entering something, almost like a club, (laughs) like I had um, been inducted into this great world of Catholics.
1: This year, it's all become real for me again because my daughter Mairead wants to make her First Communion next May. But my husband and I aren't sure whether that's a good idea or not.
5: Mum and Dad weren't too like they weren't excited, but they said, Would you like to make it like and I was like I was thinking, and I was like, I don't know, and I said, I'd think about it, which I thought about, and I thought I'd feel a little bit left out and also. I wouldn't have that good feeling for the whole year that I'd made it or I'm going to make it. I love the idea of having a party and then and and I and I love having photos with friends and everything. And your friends will all be there and you're able to chat about it the next Monday that we're back to school.
6: Maria is very excited about making her first communion, but I have ambiguous feelings about it to be honest, because I don't normally practice, I don't attend church, and would be expected to participate in the services in the lead-up to the communion and participate on the day. And I know that after that event, my participation will be back to zero again, where I will rarely, if ever, go, go to church, except for special occasions. And that I feel uncomfortable about because I believe that it's best to be honest in in these in these matters
1: so there's the crux of it maraid wants to make her first communion but my husband joe is uncomfortable about it and me i'm pretty sure it isn't the right thing for her to do i've been wondering how on earth did we find ourselves in this situation the first communion is such a normal part of irish life but the population of practicing catholics in ireland is steadily declining I'm probably a bit obsessed with finding out what First Communion means when you don't normally go to church. I'm reading books and asking the experts lots of questions, but mostly I'm spending heaps of time talking it all through with my family. There's me, my name is Anne Wayne, my husband, Joe Moran, and our three daughters.
7: I'm Anna, and I'm the biggest sister out of all of them. <laughs> I'm
5: Anna, and I'm the little... Song. Wait... What's your name? Mister, I'm Rosie <laughs> and I'm little sister. I'm Raid and I'm... And medium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm medium. I'm medium between
7: them both. I can remember dying to get out of my dress because it was really, really itchy under my arms. And I remember it being really sunny one minute and then lashing around the next minute. And I suppose those two really stick out rather than any... Anything else? When I first met my
1: husband Joe, his daughter Anna was in national school. Her communion was the first I ever attended in Ireland and it was different from the small celebrations I'd seen at home in Australia.
7: I can remember being kind of overwhelmed by envelopes and gifts, mainly envelopes, and being told to go put it somewhere safe. And at the end going upstairs when everyone had left and opening the envelopes and counting up the money, being so conscious that it really wasn't about the money, but knowing but everyone focused on the money, so it was kind of a, it was kind of a moral conundrum, I suppose.
1: We live outside New Ross in rural County Wexford. At the end of our road, there's a church and a school. Our house is surrounded by fields. It's a wonderful place for the kids to explore and use their imagination. Here's Roisin explaining one of their games.
5: Our cubby houses are actually trees, and they're the hazelnut trees. So down below we collect the hazelnuts, and we get flowers to make it pretty. And we have this big stick to hunt for lions. And if we fall, then we're not, we don't cry or anything, because we're used to the wild.
1: Can you hear the bells from the church at the end of our road? I love that sound, but here's where it gets strange.
6: At the time now, 12 o'clock midday, as here on Radio 1, we pause for the Angelus.
1: I grew up in Australia, and when I moved here, I was really surprised that the state broadcaster would play the call to prayer of one religious group. It was my first inkling of the very close relationship between the Catholic Church and the Irish state.
5: the Last Supper, Jesus blessed the bread and blessed the wine and gave it to the disciples to eat and drink and said, this is my body and this is my blood, and to remember me by it. And I think that's why why they have it at Catholic Church. That's what Catholics believe.
1: One of the joys of having children is that softness before they fall asleep. At bedtime, we snuggle up, read stories and chat about the day. Jo and I have used that time to ask Mairead what the First Communion means for her and why she wants so much to make it.
5: Well, I like going shopping for the dresses and I like the idea of walking up the aisle and learning prayers off by heart. I think it feels good. It's about being part of the Catholic Church and it's like you're christening except you're not a baby. <laughs>
1: Mairead's explanation really got us because that was what Joe and I were worried about. We didn't want Mairead to be further initiated into the Catholic Church because we're not practising Catholics anymore.
6: I feel very disappointed that something which could have been and should have been for me um, an important part of my life uh, that and it didn't really work out. Um, I wish it had been different... Um, I suppose the question is then, does it mean that I no longer see myself as a Catholic? Well, I suppose I am. Well, I've never, ever renounced my faith. I certainly haven't written to the bishop or to the Pope in Rome and said, look, I'm no longer a member of the Catholic Church. And to be honest with you, I don't think I could ever see myself doing that either. The funny thing about it, though, is that if it was anything else, another club or any other organisation, I'd probably just walk away and leave it, and I wouldn't give a second thought to it.
1: I grew up in an Irish-Australian family, and being Catholic and going to Mass was the backbone of our identity. Like Joe, I gradually discovered that I didn't agree with lots of what the Church stood for. But I didn't just leave all of a sudden... For a long time I wanted to hold on to the great stuff, like the sense of justice that the church taught us. And I stayed, partly in, partly out, but in enough to want to have our daughters baptised as Catholics.
6: I remember going to mass all right. It was something everyone did. Uh, You didn't question it. And you certainly didn't question making your first communion. I was seven years of age. And I was in senior infants. We were all uh, separated. Boys were up the front on one side and girls were up the front on the other. And then at the end of it, we all marched back up to the school where we had our, I think we might even have called it our, our communion breakfast, uh, where we got sandwiches and uh, cake and biscuits and sweets and some soft drinks. You know, I went into the, to the local Christian Brothers school I stayed at the Christian Brothers School until I got to the age of thirteen, and then I decided um, that I would join the Christian Brothers. I stayed there for about four and a half years, right through my secondary education, and did about six months of an novitiate. Um, then I left it; it wasn't really uh, the life that I wanted to to continue with at at, you know, at that point. So I just I just decided to leave, and then. I continued to be practising Catholic for, for a time after that, but, but um, over the years I've kind of found it more and more difficult, particularly from the 1980s where Ireland was changing and the Catholic Church didn't seem to want to have that, any of that change. There were many issues that the Church seemed to resist any change in and I became more and more um, put off by those that resistance. And then, you know, I began to hear of people that I knew who had personal experience of um, being abused, and I found that very difficult to, to deal with and to accept.
1: I've heard people say that children bring you back to the church. Well, it was the opposite for me. I felt this enormous responsibility to be true and real with my girls. From early on, their innocent questions about the church... And my answers showed me I couldn't, in all honesty, continue to practice Catholicism. And so then I stopped. We explained some of this to Mairead, and we asked her, what if she didn't make her first communion? Well, I'd
5: feel left out, like if, say, if all my friends were going to, I don't know, go Shopping or something, and I, th- and I wasn't invited. I feel that kind of left out, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I was part of their friendship.
3: When it comes to understanding holy communions, it, to my mind, it is related to, um, what I would call spinning webs of meaning with your daughter, as to what, what's, this is all about.
1: Tom Inglis is professor of sociology at University College Dublin. He's interested in the power and influence of the Catholic Church in Irish society and he told me that the communion doesn't just initiate children into the Catholic Church but into their local community too.
3: I think when it comes to a celebration of life events these are are transitions and they are are marked uh, not just within families but they're marked within communities and so therefore there's a danger of being excluded from the wider web of, of meaning being created within the community, being created within the school.
1: Again and again, Mairead told us she didn't want to be left out of her community, so Joe and I have made the decision to support her all the way in making her first communion.
6: It's Mairead's choice. She doesn't want to be left out, and it would cause her more grief to be left out than it causes me to... Allow her to go ahead with this and um, I don't think that would be fair on her for me to put my wishes before hers
1: We've had such a great Halloween break Joe's uncle organised a gathering for all the family so we've had cousins from England staying and we had a big party and we've been catching up with everyone and it's been really busy but really good So it's Sunday night now the kids go back to school tomorrow morning, and I'm only just getting the chance to go through their school bags, empty out lunch boxes, sort stuff out. And in Mairead's bag, I've just found this note. I feel a kind of a squirminess, and all it is, is it's telling us about the important dates. It says the important dates that are part of the necessary preparation for this sacrament. There's only four. There's going to be a, a short prayer service, um, a ceremony of enrolment, the first confession ritual, and and then a mass, which they're calling the Ceremony of Light, and finally the Holy Communion itself. For so long I've chosen not to go into the church because it doesn't sit right with me, and now, as part of our support of Maraid, I'm going to have to do that. Maraid's one of a lively class of 31 boys and girls, By the beginning of 2014, preparations for the communion were well underway.
6: Everybody knows that 90% of primary schools in Ireland are run by the Catholic Church, and it's the same in this area. For Maraids to go to a, a different school with it wasn't under the patronage of the Catholic Church she'd have to go to either in Scorthy or to Watford and in Scorthy is a half hour drive away and Watford is at busy times 50 minutes away for us so it just wouldn't work out and to be honest with you we're 10 minutes walk away from the school and we want our children in the local school uh, mixing with the children of their own age who live in this area Rather than having to uh, drag them to other centers where they're they're not part of the of the community.
1: I used to tell my parents that when I had kids, I would send them to state schools, and they were horrified. They had made an enormous effort to send us kids to private, fee-paying Catholic schools because they knew we wouldn't have had contact with the Catholic Church in the Australian state school system. But then I moved to Ireland. I think my mother was secretly pleased to find out almost all state schools in Ireland are Catholic. Ornya Highland is Emeritus Professor of Education at University College Cork, and she says it wasn't supposed to be like this. National schools were set up by the state to educate children of different faiths together in schools sponsored by a local patron. But the churches were unhappy with this. By the 1860s, they made sure that all new schools in Ireland were under Catholic or Protestant church patronage.
2: Almost all of the money comes from the state, of course. All teacher salaries are paid by the state. Virtually all capital grants are paid by the state. And a capitation grant is made available to the school's Irish national schools are not public schools. By and large, they're publicly funded, but they're privately owned. And that's a very unusual system. The state is broadly responsible for the curriculum, for the secular curriculum, the, the reading, writing, arithmetic. Religious education was always a matter for the patron. And the, church, the state did not interfere in The uh, content of religious education, that was a matter for the patrons. So that, and that became even more copper-fastened after 1922, when it was categorically written into the rules for national schools that religious education was a, a matter for the patron.
1: I found out that there's been lots of noise nationally and internationally The Irish Human Rights Commission and the government's own Forum on Patronage and Pluralism have both expressed concern at the role of religion in Irish schools, and the United Nations Committee on the Rights of the Child has even expressed concern at the lack of religious freedom for children. But the simple fact is that decisions made 150 years ago still affect Mairead and all our children today.
5: My teachers taught me to pray at school. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord... See, bless us is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It's a Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Mm-hmm. Bless us is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, full of grace. Mother of God. Mother of God. Pray. Uh, pray for us sinners and mm-hmm. now and at the hour of our day. Death. Death. And what do you say?
1: Amen. On a dark, cold evening, Joe and I walked down to the school for the first communion preparation event. It was a prayer service just for the parents.
6: What I want you to do, just for the next two or three minutes while the music is playing, is to pray for the children, because this is what it's all about. But I want you to do it in a different way. Much of your lives, in fact, most of your lives centres around thinking about your children.
8: And it's all thinking about...
6: The basis of the service was on the use of our hands in our relationship with our children. That we are our hands are symbolise our service to our children. We were given the options then to have our hands blessed. Yeah, I was surprised at how easy it was in the end, and also how welcoming and open the service was. And uh, Father O'ran was very. Um, very good in making us all feel comfortable.
1: Like Joe, I enjoyed the prayer service. It was such a gentle introduction that, instead of feeling cornered, I began to embrace the communion experience. Moray is taking part in a very old tradition and I wanted to know, where
4: did that start? Ireland emerged from the penal law era in the late 1700s and early 1800s uh, with a a Catholic church that was pretty much in a shambles. Although um, the Irish were nominally Catholic, certainly, uh, their, their practice of Catholicism was nothing like we would recognize today. Uh, large gatherings that were sort of part, um, you know, penitential processions, part magical healing, part uh, festivals honoring local saints. It was just sort of a, a, a mishmash of what people refer to as uh, popular folk belief and practice. Dr. Mary McGray teaches history at the University of
1: Wisconsin. She's one of the few who's had access to Irish convent records. She found that nuns played an important part in moving the Irish population away from magical practices to regular Sunday mass attendance by the end of the 19th century.
4: Mary found that the First Holy Communion became important in this. Children were considered to be really sort of outside of Catholic practice um, entirely. Um, Baptism was practiced, uh, but that was pretty much it until you were an adult. During the 19th century... Nuns in
1: Ireland encouraged children to make their first communion at seven years old. Mary McGray says that's interesting because after the age of seven, boys were no longer part of the
4: nun's world like girls were. They brought uh, children in for months ahead of time to teach them about the practice. And then once every year... They would gather a great group of children, a hundred, sometimes as many as 150 to 200 children uh, together and have one great First Communion festival. The surrounding community uh, would line the roads to watch the children as they were dressed in their gowns and their fine attire process to the church. And the the churches would be decorated. And then the children would be treated back at the convent to uh, a very elaborate... An elaborate meal and nuns began to practice this idea of gift giving a holy card a little relic and they encouraged parents and families of those children also to create a big event around this encourage them too uh, and so they they really constructed the event of first communion as as we know it today i asked mary why the nuns did this and I couldn't believe my ears at what she said next. By teaching the children these new practices, they intended for them to take this back to their homes and to encourage their parents to attend Mass, to say these prayers, to sing these hymns that they had been taught. Absolutely impossible to, um, to ignore the fact that the women religious intentionally used the children to reach uh, their larger families.
1: More than a century later, Maraid's First Communion is again bringing a non-practicing Catholic family into the church. Not only the church. Buying a communion dress wasn't one of the official preparation events, but everyone kept asking, have you got the dress yet? Maraid suggested a girly shopping day in Dublin to find her outfit.
7: Do you want to, which dress do you want to try on first? Um, the one with the flowers. And which size do you think would be the best would? You're eight now, yeah, so yeah. we'll try on the eight first? Yeah. yeah I,
1: think.
7: I think clips in your bun would look lovely. Like those? Yeah, those, or those. Ones. Yeah, I like those. Those are And they'd match the curls in the dress then.
1: Talking it over that night, I was surprised at how delighted Mairead was with her shopping. I think she really loved the fact that Anna and I were focused on her.
7: So weird to see Marae be so grown up now. I think she kind of looks to me for a bit of inspiration, maybe. Like Everything fits, so that was lucky, except for the shoes. You had to go and check around a bit for those. Um, but I was delighted that she was happy and she seemed self-conscious a bit, I think, in the change rooms. But I'm um, sure what seven year seven to eight-year-old doesn't feel... Self conscious. And we've got the dress. A really nice, very plain dress, a
5: white dress, and it's got a belt. Well it's kind of like a sash across across my 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 waist and it has three flowers on it and it has like pearls for in the middle of the flower and it's around just above my ankle and it's really nice. I feel like I'm a princess.
1: <laughs> you said to walk like that. You went like the... yeah. That's... But I was just—I was showing you oh, in slow motion. I'm
5: sorry. <laughs> These really nice shoes. They've got straps, and they've got big heels that make really clickety clackety noises, and it makes me feel like I'm growing up.
1: <laughs> I felt a kind of a fraud this morning as we walked up to the church. Today was the ceremony of enrolment. I haven't been to Mass in so long, and I knew people would know that I was only there because of Maraid.
8: the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord On this day, the purpose is to present these boys and girls to our faith community, and to
3: present them to the people who worship here to say, these are the boys and girls who take a further step in partnership with us as a Christian community. Take a
8: further step this year.
5: I love getting the certificates I love the way everyone clapped for everyone and the priest said it's an enrol- enrollment mass and he said you have to roll up and down on your bellies up and down the altar
1: father Oren did a great job in making the mass as child-friendly and inclusive as he could but I still felt uneasy with the words and the symbols. But then, after the children's final hymn, we parents burst into applause for our kids. I looked around and met the eyes of other parents. We just smiled at each other, but we knew. We were all joined together in knowing that these children are the most wonderful, most important thing in our lives and we'll do anything for them. A lot of... Key
0: psychologists would say that there is a change a shift from this sort of early
1: childhood into middle childhood at the ages of about seven or eight. Katie Cagney lectures in psychology at the Waterford Institute of Technology and her research focuses on children. I asked her if Alma Raid is exceptional or if all kids at this age make a great leap in development. Children's thinking actually changes around
0: this time Whereas in early childhood, a child will think from their own perspective. They're very focused on themselves and how they see the world. At seven or eight, they're able to see things from multi-perspectives. They're able to be more flexible and more rational in their approach. And they move to this, this stage where they're more focused on the relationships with other people. This a child who's moving out into society is becoming is more aware of society and has be, is becoming into the community, I suppose. And that connects, I think, with the ritual of communion.
1: I drove up to Finglas to visit Father Seamus O'Hearn. I wanted to know what the spokesperson of the Association of Catholic Priests would say about my daughter's First Communion.
8: Some would be very concerned that this was a moment in which they were ready to be aware of Christ, aware of God. I'm not convinced. Neither am I convinced that the parents have much idea of who God is or Christ is anyway. If communion is joining the community of people who see Christ as very much central to their lives, if from that day they will continue to evolve and grow and be fully more Christianized, I wouldn't be convinced. I think there are marked moments in life that we need to celebrate and one such moment is around that age, the age of First Communion. There is something quite extraordinary about a child at that age. They appear to have discovered themselves. Their, Their curiosity is awakened. They are fully alert and fully alive. There's something beautiful in them. And I do believe that if we didn't mark it with First Communion, we would need something else to mark it and celebrate it.
1: You can't make your First Communion until you've made your first confession. Mairead was worried about how this would go and asked lots of questions about it. Dad,
5: what was confession like when you were little?
6: We had to go into a confession box and it was pretty dark in there and the priest would open a little curtain uh, and that's where there was a little bit of light So you couldn't actually see his face You could just see a shadow in the background And it was kind of a bit scary actually Yeah, that's all I really remember about it And I uh, can't remember what we got for our penance would But we, we were given penance We were told to say God, prayers When you were given God, prayers God, Well, it wasn't always rosary It would have been a Hail Mary or an Our Father or
5: And how many times did you have to say it?
6: Well, it depended on how bad the sins were Not Not that our sins were ever that bad How bad for you? Um, oh, I think I was awful.
1: (laughs) The confession ended up as a real community event, with extended family and friends being involved.
6: The first confessions, or the Sacrament of Reconciliation, as it is called now, uh, was a joyful occasion with lots of songs and prayers, and uh, the children all participated in that. We invited my uncle and aunts out from New Ross to attend the uh, service of reconciliation and this was important for her and it was also important for them because they are practising Catholics and place great importance in these, these, these ceremonies. then after that we all went up to the local community hall and the mothers of the year coming behind parade had put on a great feast for everyone. Gosh, there was just so much food there and uh, it was great. Uh, We met uh, all of the the parents and the children and other neighbours and that and just we ate and drank and had a a chat. It's a great sense of community in these occasions.
1: I like to think we're integrated into our local community, but participating in Mairead's First Communion brought us even closer to our neighbours and friends. Tom Inglis has researched how the church oils the wheels of community.
3: So if if you want to develop social networks, if it's in rural Ireland or indeed in many urban areas, being Catholic is a key cultural ingredient and people use it in their everyday lives to reach out to communicate, collaborate, uh, make sense of their lives, share and care for each other. When you're creating social networks, there is a thin line between breaking the normative and the conventional and saying something uh, that could threaten the, the web of meaning that's being spun. There is a difficulty of coming out and saying, I may not be the Catholic person that you think I am, I'm not really, you know, deeply committed or deeply sure about the teachings of the church coming out as being what I would call a cultural Catholic. For me, the, the question is, is that we've moved from a strong, orthodox, almost legalistic way of being Catholic which was that you had to go to Mass, and that, that became the litmus test. But so there is an ambiguity as to whether you can be a good Catholic without going to Mass, without going and receiving the sacraments, without getting married at church. And in many respects, it's, it's a gap between the church as the people and the church as the institution.
1: The last preparation event was a mass called the Ceremony of Light, and Mairead had to bring her baptismal candle. Mom, oh, I need to get my baptismal candle. You
5: found it? I found it. There's two here. There must be that. Oh, yes.
1: Which one's mine? Let me have a look. You were christened very quickly after you were born because remember my sister Monica was here, Auntie Mon was over. Yeah, that's your candle. (laughs) Just like I kept Mairead's baptismal candle, my mum has saved all the special mementos from my childhood in Australia. Amongst them was my first communion veil. Before Mairead's big day, mum posted the veil over to me. Hi, Mum. So, I was telling the girls, Mum, that you have something you want to give to them, but I said that you wanted to tell them the story <laughs> about it first.
0: When your mummy was a little girl and she was making her first communion, um, uh, Grandma Annie and and Grandma and Mummy went into a, a, a shop in Perth that was uh, especially for Catholics, a Catholic bookshop it was called, Pellegrini's,
1: As I listened to Mum's story, I was back in the Catholic bookshop, being fitted for my first communion veil. My mum is making sure that Mairead knows about her Australian heritage, but I'm also watching her connect Mairead to her Catholic heritage.
0: It's a pretty veil, but you may not want to wear a veil on your head. You may just want to wear flowers. I don't know. It's all changed these days. But in our day, we always wore veils.
1: Mairead actually said she'd rather not wear the veil. But I was glad she'd heard the story. Maybe it's because I'm an emigrant. I wanted Mum to tie Mairead with that veil to my home, my history in Australia. And of course, that history is Catholic.
5: I'll tell you the story from the beginning because you might want to just know how it all happened and everything. Well, I was like, I was lying in bed and I just woke up and I was like, oh, nice Saturday day.
1: You know how really important days seem to go by in a flash? Well, the First Communion was like that. But the next day, we had plenty of time to relive it all.
5: Then Roisin got up and she's like, Marade, Marade, it's your First Communion! And I just kind of felt, I just felt like, um, I don't know, a, a volcano exploded in my tummy. I was just really excited. And so all the busyness started. The the white ones. The First it was Roshi getting ready. Kind of put my hair on the board? Then Roshi and Mum helped me to get into my dress because it was really delicate. Then came the hard part, trying to do my hair. And it took ages and ages to do it. On. One minute. We're just fixing the bow, And then... Mum and Dad got ready and then, then we just went to the church. We're the first ones there and all the girls look beautiful because some had veils and ribbons. were so two had ribbons in their hair and the boys had really fancy suits. In the Mass, I had to sing the Alleluia and I was a bit nervous. This is my body,
8: which will be given up.
5: I have to tell you what the host tastes like because it was just the first time it tasted the host and as soon as you put it onto your tongue it just started to kind of disintegrate and then afterwards we had a class photo and then we had loads of different photos and everyone wanted f- and more photos with their friends. I really Party afterwards, and I love because there's loads of people there to
7: play with. With a lot of kind of ceremonial occasions, you kind of feel the ceremony is most important, but for me, it was more the the afters. Like, I know for my communion, it was the feeling of wandering and having that support, and you feel like all of a sudden you're kind of a grown up, I think, and that feeling of um, support then kind of helps that kind of growing up, the idea of growing up and that there will be people there no matter what.
6: I just really enjoyed sharing with uh, family and friends this occasion and I felt just so proud of Mairead and she was radiant. I'm glad we did it for her.
5: I really, really enjoyed it and I don't know, we just felt really felt like you were being loved the whole time.
1: At the beginning of the year, I was convinced that it wasn't right for our family that Marie should make her First Communion, but now I think we made the First Communion right for our family, and we were able to do that because it's not just a sacrament of initiation into the Catholic Church. So many more ingredients are woven into it. It was a great opportunity to meet with our neighbours, to delight in the kids of our community to celebrate morade and to strengthen bonds with our friends and family. We've never before talked so much about the church and what we believe in and don't. We've shown our daughters, I think, that it's okay to question, to compromise and to choose their own path. Like those nuns wanted two centuries ago, I have attended a lot more Masses than normal. And a friend asked me if my intense participation in the First Communion meant I'd go back to the Catholic Church I won't I'm not part of the church anymore but the church is part of me